Hi, I'm Bonnie Curry, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a 7-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433 and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. Powered by Overtime Media, we are coming to you from the Vivid Seat Studio, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. As the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we have a great guest we're going to welcome onto the show here in a few minutes, but first and foremost, my friend, we got we got to talk about this crappy hand the Broncos were dealt on Wednesday with the news that Bryce Callahan underwent a procedure on that foot. He's going to miss another four to six weeks. I don't want to say it, but I think the Broncos got themselves a lemon. I might be overreactionary there, but he, he's barely practiced. He got a $21 million deal. And I have to wonder, looking back on in hindsight, if the Broncos don't regret giving that money to Chris Harris Jr., who's played really good this season, and Callahan's been invisible. It's very frustrating that they devoted so many resources and, and cleared a spot for this guy to start and potentially succeed Chris Harris Jr., and he can't even get on the field. I mean, there's a reason why Chicago let him go, and we're starting to see it come out. You know, I didn't realize, and this is bad on me as a guy covering this team, I knew he broke his foot. We knew he finished last year on IR, missed the final two games. I didn't realize he actually had surgery on that foot. So that calls into question a little bit, the decision-making there. And you have to wonder in free agency – who was pounding the table more for Callahan? Was it? I mean, we know Fangio mm. was kind of the in there, obviously. That's probably what started the conversation. But who was actually pounding the table? Who was trying to drive home that deal? If you're Vic Fangio, it's extremely disappointing. In fact, on uh, Wednesday, he talked about how, yes, hello, Callahan's injury has affected his original vision for the defense. He said, quote, it's definitely had an impact. Kareem Jackson, we had envisioned playing safety and that's where he got most of his preparation in the offseason and in training camp. He's playing nickel now. Chris Harris Jr. we had envisioned as playing nickel, and he's playing corner now. In Kareem's case, he didn't have a lot of nickel practice during the offseason and preseason. He's still learning on the job. He knows what to do. He's experienced, but there's been a play or two that he didn't play correctly, and it's no fault of his own. He just hadn't been on the job enough for us, close quote. Zach, it's literally costing the team in terms of wins and losses because if you go back to that 4th and 15 in Week 2 against the Bears, that play in which Allen Robinson hauled in 25-yarder, one second left, they spike it, or call timeout, excuse me, 
That was a play that was relinquished in coverage by Mr. Kareem Jackson. That's a really, really interesting uh, question you raised there. Who is pounding the table for Bryce Callahan, Elway or Fangio? And I have to tend to think it would be Elway. I just based off the fact that the Broncos showed no interest in Adrian Amos and they showed little interest in Callahan before he got to the second wave of free agency. And we're seeing why he even made it that far. I mean, this foot has been an issue. You don't like good players, good cover corners, slot corners at that go in their prime. And for $21 million, the Broncos got themselves to steal a bargain, but there's reason why Callahan was in the bargain bin. And it's starting to come out in the wash, as you like to say, Chad. So I have to think it's Elway uh, wanting to rebuild this defense and, and getting back to that 2015 no-fly zone glory year and also sending a message to Chris Harris Jr. because we know how contentious that was, saying, listen, we got your replacement on the roster. It's not going to cost that much. You either you know, follow our our guidelines here or pay, you know, accept what we pay you or you know, we got your guy to replace you. We still got a lot to get to today. We're going to welcome in our guest here in just a few minutes, Mr. John Shipley of Jaguar Maven. First, a couple of quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Don't forget to get your reviews in and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you like what you hear. And in so doing, you enter yourself into our monthly drawing at the end of this month. We will give away some Mile High Huddle and Huddle Up Pod swag to a couple of randomly drawn reviewers on Apple Podcasts. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, before we welcome on John. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I just want to talk about where the Broncos go from here. Sands, Callahan, I mean, we've kind of seen how it's played out these first three weeks. It appeared as if the initial plan was to, you know, the I should say the initial beneficiary appeared to be Isaac Yadam, who was getting most of those reps as the other outside corner opposite of Chris Harris. But as we saw in week three, Devontae Bosby, he's a guy that's playing with some real juice right now. And I mean, it's been a long time. I can only think of a small handful of plays this year through three full games, 180 minutes, Zach, in which a Broncos defensive back broke up a pass. Devontae Bosby did it twice, both of which were on third down in week three, both of which came against Aaron Rodgers, which is no mean feat. I mean, that's if you, you can do that against Aaron Rodgers, you're doing something right. I'm hoping, Zach, that that's a trend. Vic Fangio's been talking about it, but if Bosby is a player ascending as he appears to be and the Broncos are wise to that, and they start playing him a lot more than they've been playing Isaac Yadam, I think they can get by as, as Callahan is recovering from this procedure, which, by the way, this was a procedure that Fangio said, quote, was, was to, quote, promote uh, healing. So I think Bosby, if they get him on the field, they might be able to weather this storm. 
I'm totally with you there. And Bosby was such a refreshing change seeing, like you said, a Broncos cornerback make plays on the ball. And I thought he brought a lot of life to this defense that's been kind of struggling to find their own the first couple of weeks. But based on what Fangio said, I mean, he he said he played fine, which wasn't a resounding compliment. He said that he uh, missed some tackles. He said that the the Packers missed some big plays in Bosby's coverage that would have happened in a normal situation. He doesn't seem that overly thrilled or overly impressed. And if I had my guess, it would be that Yadam's going to be out there with Bosby kind of splitting reps still. I don't think they're ready to bench Yadam just yet. If I were the Broncos, I would. I think Bosby fits better in the system. I've been saying since they, they got him. Uh, he just he, he has the length. He has the, the mentality. And I think he fits better in, in Fangio's defense. I like to see him play more snaps. I don't know about play, replacing Callahan. I mean, that's a pretty tall task. And I think yeah. having that slot guy locked down that part of the field, that's, you know, that's a big loss for them. But if they can just get some consistency from their dime guy, that'll go a long way to helping the overall pass defense. You're right. He's, he's officially the longest corner on the team. He's six foot two. Yadam is just behind him at six foot one. They both bring some intriguing length. And with Yadam, you love the physicality, but he just, I don't know if it's just a struggle to fit into Fangio's system. I think he's played better than he's been given credit in the fan base, frankly, Isaac Yadam. But he hasn't been making plays. You know, he's, he's done a good job to close when he relinquishes a, a reception to close and make the tackle, with one exception where he missed a tackle. But that physicality, it's a, it's a plus. But look, dude, you're not playing safety where you're coming in and cleaning up. You're playing corner. So your job is to disrupt the route. Your job is to break up the pass. And he's just, that's the aspect of things he's not doing. Whereas with Devontae Bosby, he fits perfectly. His skill set fits perfectly in with what Fangio wants to do in terms of being a zone coverage that forces quarterbacks to read the field. You bait them. You keep your eye on the quarterback while you're keeping an eye on your, on your target or your zone. You break on the ball. And you can, he, he's a corner man that could, I mean, we saw him tie for the lead in the AAF in interceptions. And he's a corner that in this defense, if the Broncos wise up and get him more reps, even if you're not straight up replacing Adam, because you don't want to give up on a third round pick. I mean, this is an opportunity in which you want to get your young players, you know, with an injury to a starter, get them in there, get them some snaps. I get that. But at this point where you're 0-3, you need to go where the results are. And even though it's, you know, limited reps, limited opportunities, Zach, those results are coming at the hands of Devontae Bosby, not Isaac Gattam. Yeah, I'm fully in agreement with you, and I, I, I totally uh, understand the premise that you're making there. I just hope that Fangio is not too stubborn and he's not willing to just try Yadam to make him work in his scheme and, and trying to prove people wrong and get an Elway high-round draft pick on the field. I just hope he does what's best for the team because right now it seems that that pass defense responds a lot better to Bosby than they, than they have been with Yadam. All right, you guys, we're going to welcome on John here in just a second. We just got to take our only break of the day. It'll be a quick one. We'll be right back, and then we'll get John on. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, and joining us now is the publisher of Jaguar Maven. He is John Shipley. He's been covering the Jacksonville Jaguars there on site. He knows what's going on with the Denver Broncos week four opponent. John, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I was really excited when you asked me just because I know uh, the respect that you, your side has with your, your guys' readers, and I'm just stoked to be on it for this show. We're excited to have you, man. We're trying to uh, get the skinny on this Jaguars team. It's To me, it's very similar to the Broncos where you know they, they seem like they should be a better team than what their record reflects. But I, what I wanted yeah. to get into is what's the mood like currently in Jacksonville? Because – 
you know, you finally get rid of, of Blake Bortles down there and that the team moves on and they get big you-know-what Nick Foles from Philadelphia to come in and everything's looking like, hey, that's all we were needing. All, we were only missing that quarterback. We got a franchise guy. He goes down and then out of the blue emerges what is – you know, basically emerging as a as a superstar in the NFL. The play hasn't quite caught up yet, but the legend of Gardner Minshew. What's that been like so yeah. far? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I mean, I can honestly say just the mood around the uh, the team before you know Foles went down. You could tell that it was really his, you know, his offense, his locker room. So the really uh, whole team, not just on offense but on defense. The coaching staff looked up to him. So when he went down, I think that was definitely a thing in people's minds, like. Okay, is is that going to derail this entire season? But quite honestly, after maybe the first few days of Foles going down, I think uh, with the way uh, Minshew played uh, when Foles got hurt, I believe he only threw uh, three incompletions, and two of those are dropped, and one was batted. So he played pretty well in his debut, and uh, once he uh, against the Texans, you know, he didn't he didn't play lights out or anything, but he led them on a potentially game winning drive. I think that kind of shifted the mood around the building because they went from uh, looking to a guy who in the preseason, they really did not have any confidence in to now they're like, okay, we think this is a guy that can help keep our season afloat. So honestly, and it might shock a lot of people with uh, Nick Foles injury and with the Jalen Ramsey news, you would not know walking around the Jaguars locker room that, it has been a strange season. You really wouldn't. They seem laser-focused. They seem together. And they seem different than last year's team. They really do. Because last year's team, you know, when adversity hit, they kind of crumbled at, at first sight. And this year, uh, you know, still early in the season, but we hadn't seen that yet. You know, John, speaking of the offense, a lot of Broncos fans are coming into this game. It's it's obviously a must-win for Denver. They cannot fall to 0-4 and expect to make a playoff push. They're at home. They're facing what's a, a less formidable opponent than the last couple couple opponents they've played but this Jaguars offense with Minshew with uh, a less than stellar receiving core I believe with a running game that's not really doing a lot of work with Fournette right now give Broncos fans the the overall scouting report on the Jaguars offense what should scare Denver's defense and what should uh, Denver be licking their chops about when facing Jacksonville on Sunday yeah for sure well I think just uh, going to the strengths of Jacksonville uh, defense uh, uh, offense coordinator John DeFlippa, De I can never pronounce his name. I'm just going to call him Flip. Uh, he, he's done a really good job of kind of changing the scheme around Minshew. Uh, they do a lot of short, quick passing, and because of his accuracy, they're normally able to stay in rhythm. And then, surprisingly, uh, they've been a pretty good uh, vertical team since he's joined. I believe they have six passes over 20 yards in the last uh, two games. And the biggest uh, playmaker on the perimeter – that uh, should scare Denver fans is the guy that's kind of been on the receiving end of a lot of those. And that second year receiver, DJ Chark. Chark uh, was a second round pick coming out of LSU in 2018. And his first season, he was, he, he just frankly, he didn't look like an NFL player yet. You know, he looked like he was still on house swim. He really couldn't catch. He couldn't run routes, but, this year, he has looked like a wide receiver one in the making. Uh, he's ran good routes. He's made contested catches. He's scored a touchdown in every game. And uh, if there's any one player on the Jaguars' offense that's just scared Denver, it'd probably be DJ Chark. Um, on the flip side, uh, the offense has not utilized the middle of the field whatsoever. And that's probably, I would attribute that to, they have one of the worst tight end depth charts, I'd say, in the entire league, if not the worst. And their most intriguing tight end, rookie Josh Oliver, third-round pick out of San Jose State, 
he has not even uh, played a snap yet this season because he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, he returned to practice this week, so he might play this Sunday. But you really, considering tight ends, Denver fans have nothing to worry about, that kind of threat. And then you mentioned the run game has been unable to get going. I really do think this could be a get-right game for Denver's defensive line because the Jaguars' offensive line, while it's been good in pass protection, it's been putrid in a uh, run blocking. And uh, mm-hmm. guys like left guard Andrew Norwell and right guard A.J. Can are some of the highest paid guys on the line, but they've just been getting beat repeatedly this season. So I think if there's any area that Denver is likely to win in, it would be against the Jaguars running offense. I'm looking at the defensive numbers here for the Jags, and there's two statistics, John, that really <clears throat> jump out to me. And the first is they're leading the NFL in sacks. So they've, through three games, posted 13 sacks. And then the other one is their red zone percentage. As a defense, they're only allowing opponents to convert touchdowns in the red zone 40% of the time, which is good for fifth best in the NFL. So it tells me that, you know, they, they can get after the quarterback and, you know, what they, they bend, they don't break in the red zone. They, they, they're doing a good job of keeping guys out of there. How do you think – as far as getting after the passer, I mean, Joe Flacco last week, he was he was sacked six times by Green Bay, and they have two really good edge rushers and a solid defensive line. That Packers defense is, is you know, it's, their legend is growing. But Joe Flacco, man, he has emerged. I guess it's no secret. Everyone knows this. But yeah. for Broncos fans, we've – it's really hit home that, you know, he's easy to sack. Let's just put it that way. Zach refers to him as the 34-year-old pocket statue, right? Do you think that's going to be an opportunity for this Calais Campbell and that D-line in Jacksonville to get after him? Yeah, I, I really do. And uh, when it kind of brings me back to uh, 2017, the Jaguars played the Ravens in London, and I, I believe the Jaguars were 1-1 one one or 1-2 one or something like that at the time. And their defense, other than an outstanding opening game against the Houston Texans, hadn't really gotten national attention yet. After that game against the Ravens, it did, just because they were able to harass Flacco because of his immobility. So when I was reviewing some of the Broncos' past few games, I kind of, you know, more or less, as you know, saw the same. He's he's just he's not a guy that's going to be able to create in the pocket and evade pressure. So I, I think they've matched up well with him in the past, and they have a lot of the same guys in Calais Campbell and Yannick and Kakwe. Uh, so I think their pass rush should be able to do a good job this week. And then I think rookie Josh Allen is honestly uh, quickly developing into one of their more dangerous pass rushers, even though he's on a star-studded rest of the defensive line. So I, I, I do see this week as a good matchup for them. There's other parts of the Broncos' offense that I think should worry them, but I don't think uh, the ability to generate stacks should be one of those. You know, since we're on the topic of defense, it's, it's sounding like Jalen Ramsey is going to be away from the team, tending to the birth of his of his child, meaning he's not mm-hmm. going to play. He's not going to play Sunday. What is his replacement plan looking like? What is their Jaguars going to do in the secondary? How much of a downgrade is that for Jacksonville, and how much of an upgrade is that for Joe Flacco, who's struggled the last couple of weeks, but he has weapons who can take you know teams over the top. Manuel Sanders, Noah Fan. How is it going to help Denver's offense with Jalen Ramsey out of the picture? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, This is actually going to be Ramsey's uh, first time he has not suited up for a game since the day he was drafted. So this is kind of going to be new territory for Jaguars defense coordinator Todd Walsh. Uh, Behind him, uh, the Jaguars uh, third cornerback that they have who kind of backs up Ramsey and A.J. Boye on the perimeter. His name is uh, Trey Herndon. He's a second-year corner out of Vanderbilt who uh, made the team last year after being undrafted. And it, he had some, a lot of rookie growing pains. And then in week two, he was thrown into his first NFL start. 
uh, notified a day before uh, they played the Houston Texans this year because uh, AJ Boy had some hip issues and he, he didn't play lights out, but he did a real solid job against Will Fuller. I believe he held him to uh, three catches on seven targets for about 40 yards. So he, he's a player that, at the very least, he didn't look like he was completely out of his element. But when it comes to Jalen Ramsey, he, he's He's the best player on their entire team. He's a guy that uh, can create game-changing plays for them. And for a defense that has struggled to make turnovers happen so far this season and last season, any time Jalen Ramsey's not on the field, that's a big downgrade. I, I don't think Herndon is a player that will have major issues whatsoever, but he's just not in Ramsey's league, and that will certainly open things up for Blackout. You know, I got a chance to uh, talk to Gardner Minshew at the Combine this past spring, and – up until that point, of course, playing in the Pac-12, I knew who he was. I was familiar with him. It was one year at Washington State. I was at least had a base familiarity with him. But after talking to him in person and, and just seeing kind of his his focus and his, I don't know, charisma, his presence, I went back, watched the tape kind of with a different uh, perspective. And what came out of that was I, I was hoping the Broncos would look at him in the middle rounds. And Jacksonville, of course, you know, they, they took him in the sixth round. But I wanted to get your thoughts on what Vic Fangio had to say about Minshew. He talked quite a bit about him on uh, Wednesday. One of the things he said, John, is that when I watch, quote, when I watch Minshew play, I don't see a rookie. This guy is very excellent in making decisions, close quote. And I think that he speaks for a lot of people. Minshew does not seem to be overwhelmed. He doesn't seem to be struggling to read the field. His completion percentage is through the roof. What's your take on Minshew? Yeah, and that's really uh, been kind of the first thing that kind of caught my eye when he took over for Foles and something that really uh, took me by surprise because uh, I, I mentioned it briefly before, but he's just been a different guy since the preseason. And I think a big part of that is uh, he's actually playing with starters around him now. But it, it, it's just it's weird to see a rookie step into a situation cold off the bench like that. He had no, you know, he had no idea he was going to play at all this year. You know, it, it was Foles' team. And for him to come off the bench like that and to look uh, poised and composed and really every snap he's taken since then, uh, I think it says a lot about his uh, mental makeup, which is, uh, you know, really the big thing that people pointed to as one of his strengths when he was coming out. Uh, I I think he really has done a tremendous job of being able to be play mistake free and within the offense. Uh, I I think a good example was uh, last week against the Tennessee Titans. They were facing, you know, about a, second and 15 and if they didn't get a few yards they were they weren't going to be in field goal range it'd be uh you know it'd be a 17 uh, to 7 game it'd still be within a close you know titans would be able to maybe call back and instead of taking a big play to try to get the first down he made the smart veteran play dumped it off to Leonard Fournette and got the team in the field goal range it's plays like that that I think have said a lot about him and I, I I'm just off the top of my head I don't think he's thrown a pass this year that I was like, why did he throw that? That's just a terrible decision. And after watching Blake Bortles for five years, that is quite the change. <laughs> yeah. right. And John, I kind of want to just take your temperature, so to speak, about the Jaguars. Going to this game, obviously, more is on the line, and Denver is a more desperate team than Jacksonville at this point. But what is one reason if Jacksonville wins this game that you think would give them the advantage? And what's, reason, what's one reason you think they would lose this game uh, in Denver? 
Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that could give them the advantage is it's a defense that is playing with a chip on the shoulder and uh, some momentum. They kind of re- they got really humbled by the Chiefs in Week One, and I I think that sent them uh, kind of a message throughout the locker room because since then they've given they've given up 20 points in two games. Uh, all 14 of their sacks have came over the last two games, and they've just played like a different unit since Patrick Mahomes hung 40 points on them in Week One. So I, I think a big reason if they do win the game would be the defense continuing its uh, recent performances and continuing to play with an energy and uh, intensity that they've turned up the last few games. Uh, if the Jaguars were to lose, I think I, the biggest reason I would point to would be uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Uh, the Jaguars have just had a issue after issue with defending the run, uh, even in their most dominant defensive years in 2017. And even though they contained Derrick Henry last week, I think Lindsay is the type of player that could really, really give them issues, uh, especially if middle linebacker Miles Jack does play, and uh, he's currently in the concussion protocol. So I, I, I think if I had if I had to pinpoint one thing that would force the Jaguars loss, it'd be Lindsay putting putting the offense on his shoulders. Hmm. You know, it's this is a game. This is a team for us, the Denver Broncos in 2019, that have been. It's really hard to to get a beat on exactly what this team is as i mentioned at the top of this conversation yeah. you know it's like they they appear to be they appear to have more talent and better coaching than their record reflects and so usually what we do as a site is on fridays we publish a, an article at milehighhuddle.com the mile high roundtable where we all go through and we make our picks i'm not really quite ready yet zach and john to make my mm-hmm. pick but john i'm really curious to see if you have a prediction for this game yet okay yeah i Honestly, I've been fighting, fighting with this one all week, and I'm not even going to call this my final prediction because who knows? I might feel differently Friday, but this has kind of been building over the last day or so. I'm honestly going to go 2017 Denver because I think they're going to be playing, like you said, they're uh, playing with uh, really more desperation. Uh, They want to get a win for Coach Fangio, and I think the strengths of Denver's team, which is running the ball, and uh, some of the playmakers in their defense, I think those match up well against the issues that Jacksonville is having right now. So as of right now, I'll I'll go ahead and go with a Denver three-point win. All right, you guys, you heard it here first from John Shipley of Jaguar Maven. John, we got to get you back on the show here again. Later on down the road, we'll find a way to get back with you. It's been great talking to you. You guys find him on Twitter, at underscore John underscore Shipley. He's a great follow, very knowledgeable football analyst and, of course, credentialed journalist there covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. John, thank you for joining us. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I really enjoy talking to both of y'all, and uh, I-, I hope y'all uh, have a good rest of your weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday, because I-, I really do think it's going to be an interesting matchup between the two teams that are really built similarly. Amen. Thanks, my friend. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, great conversation with John. We'll, uh, like I said, we'll have to get him back on the show here down the road, and maybe it's maybe it's in the offseason talking draft or something, but Great conversation. Guys, that's going to do it for today, though. we got to keep this one a tight episode. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow with the Mile High Mailbag. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.